0: CD 2 Magrat looked up into Granny's face. You could call her out, she thought. The note was very clear. Well, the bit about the old witches was, anyway. And you could make her read it aloud. It's as plain as day. Do you want to be a third witch forever? And then the flame of rebellion, burning in a very unfamiliar hearth, died. Yes, she muttered hopelessly. Something like that. "'It says it's very important we go to some place somewhere "'to help someone marry a prince,' said Granny. "'It's genuine,' said Magrat. "'I looked it up in Desiderata's books, "'and we've got to make sure she doesn't marry a prince.' "'A fairy godmother stopping a girl from marrying a prince?' said Nanny. "'Sounds a bit contrary.' "'Should be an easy enough wish to grant anyway,' said Granny. "'Millions of girls don't marry a prince.' Magrat made an effort. "'Genua really is a long way away,' she said. "'I should hope so,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'The last thing we want is foreign parts up close.' "'I mean, there'll be a lot of travelling, said Magrat wretchedly, "'and you're not as young as you were.' "'There was a long crowded silence. "'We start tomorrow,' said Granny Weatherwax firmly. "'Look,' said Magrat desperately, "'Why don't I go by myself?' "'Cause you ain't experienced at fairy godmothering,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'This was too much even for Magrat's generous soul.' "'Well, nor are you,' she said. "'That's true,' Granny conceded. "'But the point is... "'The point is... "'The point is we've not been experienced for a lot longer than you.' "'We've got a lot of experience of not having any experience,' said Nanny Og happily. That's what counts every time, said Granny. There was only one small speckled mirror in Granny's house. When she got home, she buried it at the bottom of the garden. There, she said. Now try spying on me. It never seemed possible to people that Jason Og, master blacksmith and farrier, was Nanny Og's son. He didn't look as if he could possibly have been born, but as if he must have been constructed in a shipyard. To his essentially slow and gentle nature, genetics had seen fit to add muscles that should have gone to a couple of bullocks, arms like tree trunks and legs like four beer barrels stacked in twos. To his glowing forge were brought the stud stallions, the red-eyed and foam-flecked kings of the horse nation, the soup-plate-hoofed beasts that had kicked lesser men through walls. But Jason Ogg knew the secret of the mystic horseman's word and he would go alone into the forge, politely shut the door, and lead the creature out again after half an hour, newly shod and strangely docile. Granny Weatherwax had once pressed him about this, and since there are no secrets from a witch, he'd shyly replied, "'Er, uh, well, Mum, er, uh, what happens is, I gets old of an, and I smacks them between the eyes with a rammer, before an knows what's happening, and then I whispers in his ear and I says,' "'Cross me, you bugger, and I'll have thy ghoulies, on Tanville, and thou know's I can.'" Behind his huge brooding shape clustered the rest of Nanny Og's endless family, and a lot of other townsfolk who, seeing some interesting activity involving witches, couldn't resist the opportunity for what was known in the Ramtops as a good ogle. "'Wim off, then, our Jason,' said Nanny Og. "'They do say the streets in foreign parts are paved with gold.'" I could probably make me fortune, eh? Jason's hairy brow creased in intense thought. Uh, us could do with a new anvil down forge, he volunteered. If I come back rich, you won't never have to go down the forge ever again," said Nanny. Jason frowned. But I likes the forge," he said slowly. Nanny looked momentarily taken aback. Well then. Then you shall have an anvil made of solid silver. Won't be no good, ma. It'd be too soft, said Jason. If I brings you back an anvil made of solid silver, you shall have an anvil made of solid silver, my lad, whether you likes it or not. Jason hung his huge head. Yes, mum, he said. You see to it that someone comes in to keep the house aid every day, regular, said Nanny. I want to file it in that grate every morning. Yes, mum. "'And everyone's to go in through the back door, yeah? "'I've put a curse on the front porch. "'Where's those girls got to with me luggage?' "'She scurried off, a small grey bantam scolding a flock of hens. "'Magrat listened to all this with interest. "'Her own preparations had consisted of a large sack "'containing several changes of clothes "'to accommodate whatever weather foreign parts might suffer from, "'and a rather smaller one containing a number of useful-looking books "'from Desiderata Hollow's cottage.' Desiderata had been a great note-taker, and had filled dozens of little books with neat writing and chapter headings like With Wand and Broomstick, Across the Great Neff Desert. What she had never bothered to do, it seemed, was write down any instructions for the wand. As far as Magrat knew, you waved it and wished. Along the track to her cottage, several unanticipated pumpkins bore witness to this as an unreliable strategy. One of them still thought it was a stoat now Magrat was left alone with Jason, who shuffled his feet. He touched his forelock. He'd been brought up to be respectful to women, and Magrat fell broadly into this category. "'You will look after our mum, won't you, Mistress Garlic?' he said, a hint of worry in his voice. "'She'm acting awful strange.' Magrat patted him gently on the shoulder. "'This sort of thing happens all the time,' she said. "'You know, after a woman's raised a family and so on, she wants to start living her own life.' Whose life she'd been living, then? Magrat gave him a puzzled look. She hadn't questioned the wisdom of the thought when it had first arrived in her head. You see, uh, what it is, she said, making an explanation up as she went along, there comes a time in a a woman's life when she wants to find herself. Why didn't she start looking here? said Jason plaintively. I mean... "'I ain't wanting to talk out of turn, Miss Garlick, "'but we was looking to you to persuade her and Mistress Weatherwax not to go.' "'I tried,' said Magrat. "'I really did. "'I said, you don't want to go,' I said. "'Anno Domini,' I said. "'Not as young as you used to be,' I said. "'Silly to go hundreds of miles just for something like this, "'especially at your age.' "'Jason put his head on one side.' Jason Ogg wouldn't end up in the finals of the all-discworld uptake speed trials, but he knew his own mother. "'You said all that to our mum,' he said. "'Look, don't worry,' said Magrat. "'I'm sure no harm could—' There was a crash somewhere over their heads. A few autumn leaves spiralled gently towards the ground. "'Bloody tree! Who put that bloody tree there?' came a voice from on high. Uh, "'That'll be Granny,' said Magrat. It was one of the weak spots of Granny Weatherwax's otherwise well-developed character that she'd never bothered to get the hang of steering things. It was alien to her nature. She took the view that it was her job to move and the rest of the world to arrange itself so that she arrived at her destination. This meant that she occasionally had to climb down trees she'd never climbed up. This she did now, dropping the last few feet and daring anyone to comment. "'Well, now we're all here,' said Magrat, brightly. They didn't work.' "'Granny Weatherwax's eyes focused immediately somewhere around Magrat's knees. "'And what do you think you're wearing?' she said. "'Ah, um, well, I I thought, I I mean, it it gets cold up there, uh, "'what with the wind and everything,' Magrat began. "'She had been dreading this and hating herself for being so weak. "'After all, they were practical.' The idea had come to her one night. Apart from anything else, it was almost impossible to do Mr. Lobsang Dibbler's Cosmic Harmony death-kicks when your legs kept getting tangled in a skirt. Trousers? They're not exactly the same as as ordinary. And there's many a-looking, said Granny. I think it's shameful. What is? said Nanny Og, coming up behind her. "'Magrat Garlic standing there, bifurcated,' said Granny, "'sticking her nose in the air. "'Just so long as she got the young man's name and address,' "'said Nanny Og, amiably. "'Nanny,' said Magrat. "'I think they look quite comfy,' Nanny went on. "'Bit baggy, though.' "'I don't hold with it,' said Granny. "'Everyone can see her legs.' "'No, they can't,' said Granny. "'The reason being, the the material is in the way.' ''Yes, but they can see where her legs are,'' said Granny Weatherwax. ''That's silly. That's like saying everyone's naked under their clothes,'' said Magrat. "Magret Garlic, may you be forgiven,'' said Granny Weatherwax. ''Well, it's true.'' ''I'm not,'' said Granny Flatley. ''I've got three vests on.'' She looked Nanny up and down. Gither Og too had made sartorial preparations for foreign parts. Granny Weatherwax could find little to disapprove of, although she made an effort. "'And will you look at your hat?' she mumbled. Nanny, who had known Esme Weatherwax for seventy years, merely grinned. "'All the go, ain't it?' she said. "'Made by Mr. Vernisage, over in Slice. "'It's got willow reinforcing all the way up to the point, "'and eighteen pockets inside. "'Can stop a blow with the hammer, this hat. "'And how about these?' "'Nanny raised the hem of her skirt.' She was wearing new boots. As boots, Granny Weatherwax could find nothing to complain of in them. They were of proper witch construction, which is to say that a loaded cart could have run over them without causing a dent in the dense leather. As boots, the only thing wrong with them was the colour. "'Red,' said Granny. "'That's no colour for a witch's boots.' "'I like some,' said Nanny. Granny sniffed. "'You can please yourself, I'm sure.' she said. I'm sure in foreign parts they goes in for all sorts of outlandish things, but you know what they say about women who wear red boots? Just so long as they also say they've got dry feet, said Nanny cheerfully. She put her dorky in Jason's hand. I'll write you letters if you promise to find someone to read them to you, she said. Yes, Mum. "Uh, Mum, what about the cat, Mum? said Jason. Oh, Grebo's coming with us, said Nanny Ogg. "'What? But he's a cat!' snapped Granny Weatherwax. "'You can't take cats with you! "'I'm not going travelling with no cat! "'Bad enough travelling with trousers and provocative boots!' "'He'll miss his mummy if he's left behind, won't he?' Crooned Nanny Og, picking up Grebo. "'He hung limply like a bag of water gripped around the middle. "'To Nanny Og, Grebo was still the cute little kitten "'that chased balls of wool around the floor.' To the rest of the world, he was an enormous tomcat, a parcel of incredibly indestructible life forces in a skin that looked less like a fur than a piece of bread that had been left in a damp place for a fortnight. Strangers often took pity on him because his ears were non-existent, and his face looked as though a bear had camped on it. They could not know that this was because Grebo, as a matter of feline pride, would attempt to fight or rape absolutely anything, up to and including a four-horse logging wagon. Ferocious dogs would whine and hide under the stairs when Grebo sauntered down the street. Foxes kept away from the village. Wolves made a detour. He's an all softy, really, said Nanny. Grebo turned upon Granny Weatherwax a yellow eyed stare of self satisfied malevolence, such as cats always reserve for people who don't like them, and purred. Grebo was possibly the only cat who could snigger in purr. Anyway, said Nanny. "'Witches are supposed to like cats.' "'Not cats like him, they're not.' "'You're just not a cat person, me." said Nanny, cuddling Grebo tightly. Jason Og pulled Magrat aside. "'Our Sean read to me in the almanac, where there's all these fearsome wild beasts in foreign parts,' he whispered. "'Huge hairy things that leap out on travellers, it said. "'I'd hate to think what'd happen if they leapt out on Mum and Granny.' "'Magrat looked up into his big red face. "'You will see no harm comes to them, won't you?' said Jason. "'Don't you worry,' she said, hoping that he needn't. "'I'll do my best,' Jason nodded. "'Only it said in the almanac that some of them were nearly extinct anyway,' he said. "'The sun was well up when the three witches spiralled into the sky.' They'd been delayed for a while because of the intractability of Granny Weatherwax's broomstick, the starting of which always required a great deal of galloping up and down. It never seemed to get the message until it was being shoved through the air at a frantic running speed. Dwarf engineers everywhere had confessed themselves totally mystified by it. They had replaced the stick and the bristles dozens of times. When it rose, eventually, it was to a chorus of cheers. The tiny kingdom of Lancre occupied little more than a wide ledge cut into the side of the Ramtop Mountains. Behind it, knife-edge peaks and dark winding valleys climbed into the massive backbone of the Central Ranges. In front, the land dropped abruptly to the Stowe Plains, a blue haze of woodlands, a broader expanse of ocean, and somewhere in the middle of it all, a brown smudge known as unkh A skylark sang, or at least started to sing, The rising point of Granny Weatherwax's hat right underneath it completely put it off the rhythm. "'I ain't going any higher,' she said. "'If we go high enough, we might be able to see where we're going,' said Magrat. "'You said you looked at Desiderata's maps,' said Granny. "'It it looks different from up here, though,' said Magrat. "'More more sticking up. "'But I, I think we go that way.' "'You sure?' Which was the wrong question to ask a witch, especially if the person doing the asking was Granny Weatherwax. Positive, said Magrat. Nanny Og looked up at the high peaks. There's a lot of big mountains that way, she said. They rose tier on tier, speckled with snow, trailing endless pennants of ice crystals high overhead. No one skied in the high ram tops, at least for more than a few feet and a disappearing scream. No one ran up them wearing dirndls and singing. They were not nice mountains. They were the kind of mountains where winters went for their summer holidays. "'There's passes and things through them,' said Magrat, uncertainly. "'Bound to be,' said Nanny. "'You can use two mirrors like this, if you know the way of it. You set them so that they reflect each other. For if images can steal a bit of you, then images of images can amplify you, feeding you back on yourself, giving you power.' And your image extends forever, in reflections of reflections of reflections, and every image is the same, all the way around the curve of light. Except that it isn't. Mirrors contain infinity. Infinity contains more things than you think. Everything, for a start, including hunger. Because there's a million billion images, and only one soul to go around. Mirrors give plenty, but they take away lots. "'Mountains unfolded to reveal more mountains. "'Clouds gathered heavy and grey. "'I'm sure we're going the right way,' said Magrat. "'Freezing rocks stretched away. "'The witches flew along a maze of twisty little canyons all alike. "'Yeah,' said Granny. "'Well, you won't let me fly high enough,' said Magrat. "'He's going to snow like blazes in a minute,' said Nanny Og. "'It was early evening. "'Light was draining out of the high valleys like custard.' I thought there'd be villages and things, said Magrat, where we could buy interesting native produce and seek shelter in rude huts. You wouldn't even get trolls up here, said Granny. The three broomsticks glided down into a bare valley, a mere notch in the mountainside. And it's bloody cold, said Nanny Og. She grinned. Why are they called rude huts, anyway? Granny Weatherwax climbed off her broomstick and looked at the rocks around her. She picked up a stone and sniffed it. She wandered over to a heap of scree that looked like any other heap of scree to Magrat and prodded it. Hmm, she said. A few snow crystals landed on her hat. "'Well, well,' she said. "'What are you doing, Granny?' said Magrat. "'Cogitating!' Granny walked to the valley's steep side and strolled along it, peering up at the rock. Nanny Ogg joined her. "'Up here,' said Nanny. "'I reckon.' "'A bit high for them, ain't it?' "'Little devils get everywhere. "'Had one come up in my kitchen once,' said Granny. "'Following a seam. he said. "'They're boogers for that,' said Nanny. "'Would you mind um, telling me,' said Megrat, "'what you're doing? "'What's so interesting about heaps of stones?' "'The snow was falling faster now.' "'They ain't stones. "'They're spoil,' said Granny.' "'She reached a flat wall of ice-covered rock, "'no different in Magret's eyes from the rock available "'in a range of easy-to-die-on sizes everywhere in the mountains, "'and paused as if listening. "'Then she stood back, hit the rock sharply with her broomstick, "'and spake thusly. "'Open up, ye little sods!' "'Nanny Og kicked the rock. "'It made a hollow boom. "'There's people catching their death of cold out here,' she added. "'Nothing happened for a while. "'Then a section of rock swung in a few inches.' Magrat saw the glint of a suspicious eye. Yes? Dwarfs, said Magrat. Granny Weatherwax leaned down until her nose was level with the eye. My name, she said, is Granny Weatherwax. She straightened up again, her face glowing with self-satisfaction. Who's that then? said a voice from somewhere below the eye. Granny's expression froze. Nanny Og nudged her partner. "'We must be more than fifty miles away from home,' she said. "'They might not have heard of you in these parts.' Granny leaned down again. Accumulated snowflakes cascaded off her hat. "'I ain't blaming you,' she said. "'But I know you'll have a king in there. "'So just you go and tell him that Granny Weatherwax is here, will you?' "'He's very busy,' said the voice. "'We've just had a bit of trouble.' "'Then I'm sure he don't want any more,' said Granny.' The invisible speaker appeared to give this some consideration. We put writing on the door, it said sulkily, in invisible rooms. It's really expensive getting proper invisible rooms done. I don't go around reading doors, said Granny. The speaker hesitated. Wed-a-wax, did you say? Yes, with a W, as in witch. The door slammed. When it was shut, there was a barely visible crack in the rock. The snow was falling fast now. Granny Weatherwax jiggled up and down a bit to keep warm. That's foreigners for you, she said to the frozen world in general. I don't think you can call dwarfs foreigners, said Nanny Ogg. Don't see why not, said Granny. A dwarf who lives a long way off has got to be foreign. That's what foreign means. Yeah. Oh, huh. wanted to think of it like that, said Nanny. They watched the door, their breath forming three little clouds in the darkening air. Magrat peered at the stone door. ''I don't see any invisible runes,'' she said. ''Course not,'' said Nanny. ''That's cos they're invisible.'' ''Yeah,'' said Granny Weatherbacks. ''Don't be daft.'' The door swung open again. ''I spoke to the king,'' said the voice. ''And what did he say?'' said Granny expectantly. ''He said, ''Oh, no, not on top of everything else.'' Janny beamed. "'I knew he would have heard of me,' she said. "'In the same way that there are a thousand kings of the gypsies, "'so there are a thousand kings of the dwarfs. "'The term means something like senior engineer. "'There aren't any queens of the dwarfs. "'Dwarfs are very reticent about revealing their sex, "'which most of them don't consider to be very important "'compared to things like metallurgy and hydraulics. "'This king was standing in the middle of a crowd of shouting miners.' Many of the more traditional dwarf tribes have no female pronouns like she or her. It follows that the courtship of dwarfs is an incredibly tactful affair. He looked up at the witches with the expression of a drowning man looking at a drink of water. "'Are you really any good?' he said. Nanny Og and Granny Weatherwax looked at one another. "'I think he's talking to you, Magrat,' said Granny.' Only we've had a big fall in Gallery Nine, said the King. It looks bad. A very promising vein of gold bearing quartz is irretrievably trapped. One of the dwarfs beside him muttered something. Oh, yeah, and some of the lads, said the King vaguely. And then you turn up. So the way I look at it, it's probably fate. Granny Weatherwax shook the snow off her hat and looked around. She was impressed, despite herself. You didn't often see proper dwarf halls these days. Most dwarves were off earning big money in the cities down in the lowlands, where it was much easier to be a dwarf. For one thing, you didn't have to spend most of your time underground hitting your thumb with a hammer and worrying about fluctuations in the international metal markets. Lack of respect for tradition. That was the trouble these days. And take trolls. There were more trolls in Ark Moorpork now than in the whole mountain range. Granny Weatherwax had nothing against trolls, but she felt instinctively that if more trolls stopped wearing suits and walking upright, and went back to living under bridges, and jumping out and eating people as nature intended, then the world would be a happier place. You'd better show us where the problem is, she said. Lots of rocks fallen down, have they? Pardon? said the king. It's often said that Eskimos have fifty words for snow. Well, not often, Not on a daily basis, anyway. At least not everywhere. But probably in some cold countries people say, ''Hey, those Eskimos, what a people. 50 words for snow. Can you believe that? Amazing.'' Quite a lot. This is not true. It's also said that dwarfs have 200 words for rock. They don't. They have no words for rock, in the same way that fish have no words for water. They do have words for igneous rock, sedimentary rock, metamorphic rock, rock underfoot, rock dropping on your helmet from above, and rock which looked interesting and which they could have sworn they left here yesterday. But what they don't have is a word meaning rock. Show a dwarf a rock and he sees, for example, an inferior piece of crystalline sulphide of biorites. Or, in this case, about 200 tonnes of low-grade shale. When the witches arrived at the disaster site, dozens of dwarfs were working feverishly to prop the cracked roof and cart away the debris. Some of them were in tears. It's terrible, terrible, muttered one of them. A a terrible thing. Magrat lent him her handkerchief. He blew his nose noisily. Could mean a big slippage on the fault line and then we've lost the whole seam, he said, shaking his head. Another dwarf patted him on the back. "'Look on the bright side,' he said. "'We can always drive a horizontal shaft off Gallery 15. "'We're bound to pick it up again, don't you worry.' "Um, excuse me,' said Magrat. "'There are dwarfs behind all that stuff, are there?' "'Oh, yes,' said the king. "'His tone suggested that this was merely a regrettable side effect of the disaster, "'because getting fresh dwarfs was only a matter of time, "'whereas decent gold-bearing rock was a finite resource.' "'Granny Weatherwax inspected the rockfall critically.' "'We shall have to have everyone out of here,' she said. "'This is going to have to be private.' "'I know how it is,' said the king. "'Craft secrets, I expect.' "'Something like that,' said Granny. "'The king shooed the other dwarfs out of the tunnel, "'leaving the witches alone in the lantern light. "'A few bits of rock fell out of the ceiling.' "'Hm,' mm, said Granny. "'You've gone and done it now,' said Nanny Og. "'Anything's possible if you set your mind to it.' "'said Granny, vaguely. "'Then you'd better set yours good and hard, Esme. "'If the Creator had meant us to shift rocks by witchcraft, "'he wouldn't have invented shovels. "'Knowing when to use a shovel is what being a witch is all about. "'And put down that wheelbarrow, Magrat. "'You don't know nothing about machinery.' "'All right, then,' said Magrat. "'Why don't we try the wand?' "'Granny Weatherwax snorted. "'Heh! <laughs> <laughs> Here, <laughs> Who ever heard of a fairy godmother in a mine?' "'If I was stuck behind a load of rocks under a mountain, "'I'd want to hear of one,' said Magrat hotly. "'Nanny Og nodded. "'She's got a point there, Esme. "'There's no rule about where your fairy godmother.' "'I don't trust that wand,' said Granny. "'It looks wizardly to me.' "'Oh, come on,' said Magrat. "'Generations of fairy godmothers have used it.' "'Granny flung her hands in the air. "'All right, all right, all right,' she snapped. "'Go ahead.' Make yourself look daft. Magrat took the wand out of her bag. She'd been dreading this moment. It was made of some sort of bone or ivory. Magrat hoped it wasn't ivory. There had been markings on it once, but generations of plump, fairly godmotherly hands had worn them almost smooth. Various gold and silver rings were set into the wand. Nowhere were there any instructions. Not so much as a rune or a sigil anywhere on its length indicated what you were supposed to do with it. I think you're supposed to wave it, said Nanny Og. I'm I'm pretty sure it's something like that. Granny Weatherwax folded her arms. That's not proper witching, she said. Magrat gave the wand an experimental wave. Nothing happened. Perhaps you have to say something, said Nanny. Magrat looked panicky. Um, what do fairy godmothers say? She wailed. "Um," said Nanny. "Don't know." Huh, said Granny. Nanny Ogg sighed. "Didn't Dizzy tell you anything?" "Nothing." Nanny shrugged. "Just do your best," then she said. Magrat stared at the pile of rocks. She shut her eyes. She took a deep breath. She tried to make her mind a serene picture of cosmic harmony. It was all very well for monks to go on about cosmic harmony, she reflected, when they were nicely tucked away on snowy mountains with only yetis to worry about. They never tried seeking inner peace with Granny Weatherwax glaring at them. She waved the wand in a vague way and tried to put pumpkins out of her mind. She felt the air move. She heard Nanny gasp. She said, "'Has anything happened?' After a while, Nanny Og said, "'Yeah, sort of.' I hope they're hungry, that's all.' And Granny Weatherwax said, "'That's fairy godmothering, is it?' Magrat opened her eyes. There was still a heap, but it wasn't rock any more. "'There's a... wait for it. There's a bit of a squash in here,' said Nanny. Magrat opened her eyes wider. "'Still pumpkins? Bit of a squash?' "'Squash!' said Nanny, in case anyone hadn't got it. The top of the heap moved. A couple of small pumpkins rolled down almost to Magrat's feet, and a small dwarfish face appeared in the hole. It stared down at the witches. Eventually, Nanny Og said, "'Everything all right?' The dwarf nodded. Its attention kept turning to the pile of pumpkins that filled the tunnel from floor to ceiling. "'Er, yes,' it said. "'Is Dad there?' "'Dad?' "'The king?' "'Oh!' Nannyog cupped her hands around her mouth and turned to face up the tunnel. "'Hey, king!' The dwarfs appeared. They looked at the pumpkins too. The king stepped forward and stared up into the face of his son. "'Everything all right, son?' "'It's all right, dad. No faulting or anything?' The king sagged with relief. Then as an afterthought he added, "'Everyone all right?' "'Fine, dad. I was quite worried for a time there. "'Thought we might have a hit section of Conglomerate or something.' Just a patch of loose shale, Dad. Good. The king looked at the heap again. He scratched his beard. Can't help noticing you seem to have struck pumpkin. I thought it was an odd kind of sandstone, Dad. The king walked back to the witches. Can you turn anything into anything? He said hopefully. Nanny Og looked sideways at Magrat, who was still staring at the wand in a sort of shock. "'I think we only do pumpkins at the moment,' she said cautiously. "'The king looked a little disappointed. "'Well then,' he said, "'if there's anything I can do for you ladies, a cup of tea or something?' "'Granny Weatherwax stepped forward. "'I was just thinking something like that myself,' she said. "'The king beamed. "'Only more expensive,' said Granny. "'The king stopped beaming.' Nanny Ogg sidled up to Magrat, who was shaking the wand and staring at it. "'Very clever,' she whispered. "'Why do you think of pumpkins?' "'I didn't. "'Don't you know how to work it?' "'No. "'I thought you just had to, you know, want something to happen.' "'There's probably more to it than just wishing,' said Nanny, as sympathetically as possible. "'There generally is.' Sometime around dawn, insofar as dawn happened in the mines, the witches were led to a river somewhere deep in the mountains where a couple of barges were moored. A small boat was pulled up to a stone jetty. "'This will take you right through the mountains,' said the king. "'I think it goes all the way to Genoa, to tell the truth.' He took a large basket off an attendant dwarf. "'And we've packed you some lovely food,' he said. "'Are we going to go all the way in a boat?' said McGrath. "'She gave the wand a few surreptitious flourishes. "'I'm not good at boats.' "'Listen,' said Granny, climbing aboard. "'The river knows its way out of the mountains, which is more than we do. "'We can use the brooms later on, where the landscape's acting a bit more sensible.' "'And we can have a bit of a rest,' said Nanny, sitting back. "'Magrat looked at the two older witches, "'who were making themselves comfortable in the stern, "'like a couple of hens settling down on a nest. "'Do you know how to row a boat?' she said. "'We don't have to,' said Granny.' Magrat nodded gloomily, then a tiny bit of self-assertion flashed a fin. "'I don't think I do, too,' she ventured. "'That's all right,' said Nanny. "'If we sees you doing anything wrong, we'll be sure to tell you. Cheerio, oar, your kingship!' Magrat sighed and picked up the oars. "'The flat bits go in the water,' said Granny helpfully. The dwarfs waved. The boat drifted out into midstream, moving slowly in a circle of lantern light." Magrat found that all she really had to do was keep it pointing the right way in the current. She heard Nanny say, Beats me why they're always putting invisible rooms on their doors. I mean, you pay some wizard to put invisible rooms on your door, and how do you know you've got value for money? She heard Granny say, No problem there. If you can't see them, you know you've got a proper invisible rune. She heard Nanny say, Ah, that'd be it. Right. Let's see what we've got for lunch. There was a rustling noise. Well, well, well. What is it, Gitter? Pumpkin. Pumpkin what? Pumpkin nothing. Just pumpkin pumpkin. Well, I suppose they've got a lot of pumpkin, said Magrat. You know how it is, at the end of the summer there's always so much in the garden. I'm always at my wit's end to think of new types of chutney and pickles to use it all up. In the dim light she could see Granny's face, which seemed to be suggesting that if Magrat was at her wit's end... "'It was a short stroll. "'I,' said Granny, "'have never made a pickle in my life.' "'But you like pickles,' said Magrat. "'Witches and pickles went together like,' "'she hesitated before the stomach-curdling addition of peaches and cream, "'and mentally substituted things that went together very well. "'The sight of Nanny Og's single remaining tooth at work on a pickled onion "'could bring tears to the eyes. "'I like some fine,' said Granny.' "'I'll get some given to me.' "'You know,' said Granny, investigating the recesses of the basket, "'whenever I deals with dwarfs, the phrase ass' swims across me mind.' "'Mean little devils, you should see the prices they tries to charge me "'when I takes my broom to be repaired,' said Granny. "'Yes, but you never pay,' said Megrat. "'That's not the point,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'They shouldn't be allowed to charge that sort of money. "'That's thieving, that is.' I don't see how it can be thieving if you don't pay anyway, Magrat persisted. I never pay for anything, said Granny. People never let me pay. I can't help it if people give me things the whole time, can I? When I walk down the street, people are always running out with cakes they've just baked, and fresh beer and old clothes that have hardly been worn at all. Oh, mistress weatherwax, pray take this basket of eggs, they say. People are always very kind. Treat people right and they'll treat you right. It's respect. Not having to pay, she finished sternly, is what being a witch is all about. Here, what's this? said Nanny, pulling out a small packet. She unwrapped the paper and revealed several hard brown discs. My word, said Granny Weatherwax, I take it all back. That's the famous dwarf bread, that is. They don't give that to just anyone. Nanny tapped it on the edge of the boat. It made a noise very similar to the kind of noise you get when a wooden ruler is held over the edge of a desk and plucked a sort of hollow boi sound. "'They say it never goes stale, even if you stores it for years,' said Granny. "'It'd keep you going for days and days,' said Nanny Og. Magrat reached across, took one of the flat loaves, tried to break it, and gave up. "'You're supposed to eat it,' she said. "'Oh, I don't think it's for eating,' said Nanny. "'It's more for sort of, er... Uh, "'Keeping you going,' said Granny. "'They say that—' she stopped. "'Above the noise of the river "'and the occasional drip of water from the ceiling they could all hear, "'now the steady slosh-slosh of another craft heading towards them. "'Someone's following us,' hissed Magrat. Two pale glows appeared at the edge of the lamplight. "'Eventually they turned out to be the eyes of a small grey creature, "'vaguely frog-like, paddling towards them on a log. "'It reached the boat.' Long, clammy fingers grabbed the side, and a lugubrious face rose level with Nanny Ogg's. "'Hello,' it said. "'It's my birthday.' All three of them stared at it for a while. Then Granny Weatherwax picked up an oar and hit it firmly over the head. There was a splash and a distant cursing. "'Horrible little bugger,' said Granny as they rode on. "Looks like a troublemaker to me.' "'Yeah,' said Nanny Ogg. "'It's the slimy ones you have to watch out for.' "'I wonder what he wanted,' said Magrat. "'After half an hour, the boat drifted out through a cave-mouth "'and into a narrow gorge between cliffs. "'Ice glistened on the walls, "'and there were drifts of snow on some of the outcrops. "'Nanny Og looked around guilelessly "'and then fumbled somewhere in the depths of her many skirts "'and produced a small bottle. "'There was a glugging noise. "'I bet there's a fine echo here,' she said after a while. "'Oh, no, you don't,' said Granny firmly. "'Don't what?' Don't sing that song. Pardon, Esme? I ain't going, said Granny, if you insist on singing that song. What song would that be? said Nanny innocently. You know the song to whom I am referring, said Granny icily. You always get drunk and let me down and sing it. Can't recall any song like that, Esme, said Nanny Hogg meekly. The one, said Granny, about the rodent that can't... "'can't ever be persuaded to care about anything.' "'Oh!' said Nanny, beaming as light dawned. "'You mean the hedgehog can never be bug. "'That's the one.' "'But it's traditional,' said Nanny. "Anyway, in foreign parts people won't know what the words mean.' "'They will the way you sings em, said Granny. "'The way you sings em creatures what lives on the bottoms of ponds "'know what they mean.' "'Magrat looked over the side of the boat.' Here and there, ripples were edged with white. The current was running a bit faster, and there were lumps of ice in it. It's only a folk song, Esme, said Nanny Hogg. Hey, said Granny Weatherwax. I should just say it is a folk song. I know it's all about folk songs. Heh, you think you're listening to a nice song about about cuckoos and fiddlers and nightingales and what not, and then it turns out to be about, about something else entirely, she added darkly. ''You can't trust folk-souls. They always sneak up on you.'' Magrat fended them off a rock, and Eddie spun them around slowly. ''I know one about two little bluebirds,'' said Nanny Og ''Um,'' said Magrat. ''They may start out by being bluebirds, but I bet they ends up some kind of metaphor,'' said Granny. ''Er, uh, Granny?'' said Magrat. ''It was bad enough Magrat telling me about maypoles and what's behind them.'' "'said Granny. "'She added wistfully, "'I used to enjoy looking at a maypole of a spring morning. "'I think the uh, river's getting a bit sort of uh, rough,' said Magrat. "'I don't see why people can't just let things be,' said Granny. "'I mean, really, quite rough, really,' said Magrat, "'pushing them away from a jagged rock. "'She's right, you know,' said Nanny Og. "'It's a bit on the choppy side.' "'Granny looked over Magrat's shoulder at the river ahead.' It had a cut-off look, such as might be associated with, for example, an imminent waterfall. The boat was now surging along. There was a muted roar. "'I never said anything about a waterfall,' she said. "'I they thought we'd find out for ourselves,' said Nanny Og, gathering up her possessions and hauling Grebo out of the bottom of the boat by the scruff of his neck. "'Very sparing with information, your average dwarf. Thank goodness which is flawed. Anyway,' Then know oh, we've got the brooms.' "'You've got brooms,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'How am I supposed to get mine started in a boat? "'Can't run up and down, can I? "'And stop moving about like that, you'll have us all over.' "'Get your foot out the way, Esme.' "'The boat rocked violently. "'Magrat rose to the occasion. "'She pulled out the wand, just as a wavelet washed over the boat. "'Don't worry,' she said. "'I'll use the wand. "'I think I've got the hang of it now.' "'No!' screamed Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Ogg together. There was a large, damp noise. The boat changed shape. It also changed colour. It became a cheery sort of orange. Pumpkins, screamed Nanny Og as she was gently tipped into the water. More bloody pumpkins! Lilith sat back. The ice around the river hadn't been that good as a mirror, but it had been good enough. Well, a wishy-washy, overgrown girl more suitable to the attentions of a fairy godmother than to being one, and a little old washerwoman type who got drunk and sang songs, and a wand the stupid girl didn't know how to use. It was annoying. More than that, it was demeaning. Surely Desiderata and Mrs Goggle could have achieved something better than this. You derived status by the strength of your enemies. Of course, there was her. After all this time... Of course, she approved of that, because there would have to be three of them. Three was an important number for stories. Three wishes, three princes, three billy goats, three guesses. Three witches. The maiden, the mother, and the other one. That was one of the oldest stories of all. Esme Weatherwax had never understood stories. She'd never understood how real reflections were. If she had, she'd probably have been ruling the world by now. "'You're always looking in mirrors said a petulant voice. I hate it when you're always looking in mirrors. The Duke sprawled in a chair in one corner, all black silk and well-turned legs. Lilith would not normally allow anyone inside the nest of mirrors, but it was technically his castle. Besides, he was too vain and stupid to know what was going on. She'd seen to that. At least, she thought she had. Lately, he seemed to be picking things up. ''I don't know why you have to do that,'' he whined. ''I thought magic was just a matter of pointing and going, whoosh.'' Lilith picked up her hat and glanced at a mirror as she adjusted it. ''This way's safer,'' she said. ''It's self-contained. When you use mirror magic, you don't have to rely on anyone except yourself. That's why no one's ever conquered the whole world with magic, yet.'' They try to take it from other places, and there's always a price. But with mirrors, you're beholden to no one but your own soul. She lowered the veil from the hat-brim. She preferred the privacy of a veil outside the security of the mirrors. I hate mirrors, muttered the Duke. That's because they tell you the truth, my lad. It's cruel magic, then. Lilith tweaked the veil into a fetching shape. "'Oh, yes. With mirrors, all the power is your own. "'There's nowhere else it can come from,' she said. "'The swamp woman gets it from the swamp,' said the duke. (laughs) "'And it'll claim her one day. "'She doesn't understand what she's doing.' "'And you do?' "'She felt a pang of pride. "'He was actually resenting her. "'She really had done a good job there. "'I understand stories,' she said. "'That's all I need.' "'But you haven't brought me the girl,' said the Duke. "'You promised me the girl, and then it'll all be over, "'and I can sleep in a real bed, "'and I won't need any more reflecting magic.' "'But even a good job can go too far.' "'You've had your fill of magic,' said Lilith sweetly. "'You'd like me to stop? "'It would be the easiest thing in the world. "'I found you in the gutter.' "'Would you like me to send you back?' "'His face became a mask of panic. "'I didn't mean that. "'I just meant, well, then everything would be real. "'Just one kiss, you said. "'I can't see why that's so hard to arrange. "'The right kiss at the right time,' said Lilith. "'It has to be at the right time, otherwise it won't work.' "'She smiled. "'He was trembling, partly out of lust,' mainly out of terror, and slightly out of heredity. Don't worry, she said. It can't not happen. And these witches you showed me? They're just part of the story. Don't worry about them. The story will just absorb them, and you'll get her because of stories. Won't that be nice? And now shall we go? i expect you've got some ruling to do he picked up the inflection it was an order he stood up extended an arm to take hers and together they went down to the palace's audience chamber lilith was proud of the duke of course there was his embarrassing little nocturnal problem because his morphic field weakened when he slept but that wasn't yet a major difficulty and there was the trouble with mirrors which showed him as he really was but that was easily overcome by banning all mirrors save hers. And then there were his eyes. She couldn't do anything about the eyes. There was practically no magic that can do anything about someone's eyes. All she'd been able to come up with there were the smoked glasses. Even so, he was a triumph. And he was so grateful. She'd been good for him. She'd made a man of him for a start. Some way downriver from the waterfall, which was the second highest anywhere on the disc and had been discovered in the year of the revolving crab by the noted explorer Guy de Yo-Yo. Of course, lots of dwarfs, trolls, native people, trappers, hunters, and the merely badly lost had discovered it on an almost daily basis for thousands of years, but they weren't explorers and didn't count. Granny Weatherwax sat in front of a small fire with a towel around her shoulders and steamed. Still... "'Look on the bright side,' said Nanny Og. "'At least I was holding my broom and you at the same time, "'and Magrat had hers. "'Otherwise we'd all be looking at the waterfall from underneath.' "'How good! A silver lining,' said Granny, her eyes glinting evilly. "'Bit of an adventure, really,' said Nanny, grinning encouragingly. "'One day we'll look back on this and laugh.' "'How good!' said Granny.' Nanny dabbed at the claw marks on her arm. Grebo, with a cat's true instinct for self-preservation, had clawed his way up his mistress and taken a flying leap to safety from the top of her head. Now he was curled up by the fire, dreaming cat dreams. A shadow passed over them. It was Magrat, who had been combing the river banks. I think I've got nearly everything, she said as she landed. Here's Granny's broomstick and, oh, oh yes, the wand. She gave a brave little smile. Little pumpkins were bobbing to the surface, that's how I found it. "'My word, that was lucky,' said Nanny Og encouragingly. "'Hear that, Esme? We shan't be wanting for food at any rate.' "'And I've found the basket with the dwarf bread in it,' said Magrat, "'although I'm afraid it might be spoilt." "'It won't be. Take it from me,' said Nanny Og. "'You can't spoil dwarf bread.' "'Well, well,' she said, sitting down again. "'We've got quite a little picnic, haven't we?' "'and a nice bright fire, and a nice place to sit, "'and I'm sure there's lots of poor people in the places like Hawonderland and such like "'who'd give anything to be here right now.' "'If you don't stop being so cheerful, Githerog, "'I shall give you such a ding around the ear with the flat of my hand,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'You sure you're not catching a chill?' Said Nanny Og. "'I'm drying out,' said Granny Weatherwax, "'from the inside.' "'Look, I'm really sorry,' said Magrat. "'I said I was sorry.' "'Not that she was quite certain what for,' she told herself. "'The boat wasn't her idea. "'She hadn't put the waterfall there. "'She hadn't even been in a position to see it coming. "'She'd turned the boat into a pumpkin, but she hadn't meant to. "'It could have happened to anyone.' "'I managed to save Desiderata's notebooks too,' she said. "'Well, that's a blessing,' said Nannyog. "'Now we know where we're lost.' She looked around. They were through the worst of the mountains, but there were still peaks around the high meadows stretching to the snow line. From somewhere in the distance came the clonking of goat bells. Magrat unfolded a map. It was creased, damp, and the pencil had run. She pointed cautiously to a smudged area. "'I think we're here,' she said. "'My word.' "'said Nanny Og, whose grasp of the principles of cartography "'was even shakier than Granny's. "'Amazing how we can all fit on that little bit of paper. "'I think perhaps it would be a good idea at the moment "'if we just followed the river,' said Magrat, "'without in any way going on it,' she added quickly. Oh, "'I suppose you didn't find my bag,' said Granny Weatherwax. "'It had personal items in.' "'Probably sank like a stone,' said Nanny Og. Granny Weatherwax stood up like a general who's just had news that his army has come second. "'Come on,' she said. "'Where to next, then?' What was next was forest, dark and ferociously coniferous. The witches flew over it in silence. There were occasional isolated cottages half hidden in the trees. Here and there a crag loomed over the Sylvanian gloom, shrouded in mist even in mid-afternoon. Once or twice they flew past castles, if that's what you could call them. They didn't look built, more extruded from the landscape. It was the kind of landscape that had a particular type of story attached to it, featuring wolves and garlic and frightened women. A dark and thirsty story, a story that flapped wings against the moon. "'De flabbergast," muttered Nanny. "'What's that?' said Magrat. "'It's foreign for a bat.' I've always liked bats, said Magrat, in general. The witches found that by unspoken agreement they were flying closer together. I'm getting hungry, said Granny Weatherwax, and don't no one mention pumpkin. There's dwarf bread, said Nanny. There's always the dwarf bread, said Granny. I fancy something cooked this year, thank you all the same. They flew past another castle, occupying the entire summit of a crag. "'What we need is a nice little town or something,' said Magrat. "'But the one down there will have to do,' said Granny. "'They looked down at it. "'It wasn't so much a town as a huddle of houses "'clustering together against the trees. "'It looked as cheerless as an empty hearth, "'but the shadows of the mountains were already speeding across the forest, "'and something about the landscape tacitly discouraged nighttime flying. "'Can't see many people about,' said Granny. "'Maybe they turn in early in these parts.' "'said Nanny Og. "'It's hardly even sunset,' said Magrat. "'Perhaps we ought to go up to that castle.' "'They all looked at the castle. "'No,' said Granny, slowly speaking for all of them. "'We know our place.' "'So they landed instead, "'in what was presumably the town square. "'A dog barked somewhere behind the buildings. "'A shutter banged closed. "'Very friendly,' said Granny.' She walked over to a larger building that had a sign unreadable under the grime over the door. She gave the woodwork a couple of thumps. Open up, she said. No, no, you don't say that, said Magrat. She shouldered her way past and tapped on the door. "Uh, Excuse me, um, bona fide travellers? Bona what? said Nanny. "'That's what you need to say,' said Magrat. "'Any inn has got to open up for bona fide travellers "'and give them succor. "'Has it?' said Nanny, with interest. "'That sounds like a thing worth knowing.' "'The door remained shut. "'Let me have a go,' said Nanny. "'I know some foreign lingo.' "'She hammered on the door. "'Or oh, penny Gungadin, gunga din. "'Chop-chop pretty damn quick,' she said. "'Granny Weatherwax listened carefully. "'That's speaking foreign, is it?' "'My grandson Shane is a sailor,' said Nanny Og. "'You'd be amazed the words he learns about foreign parts.' "'I expects I would,' said Granny, "'and I hopes they works better for him.' "'She thumped on the door again, "'and this time it opened very slowly. "'A pale face peered around it. "'Excuse me,' Magrat began.' Granny pushed the door open. The face's owner had been leaning on it. They could hear the scrape of his boots over the floor as he was shoved gently backwards. "'Blessings be on this house,' Granny said perfunctorily. It was always a good opening remark for a witch. It concentrated people's minds on what other things might be on this house and reminded them about any fresh cakes, newly baked bread or bundles of useful old clothing that might have temporarily escaped their minds. It looked like one of the other things had been on this house already. It was an inn of sorts. The three witches had never seen such a cheerless place in their lives, but it was quite crowded. A score or more pale-faced people watched them solemnly from benches around the walls. Nanny Og sniffed. she said. Talk about garlic! And indeed, bunches of it hung from every beam. You can't have too much garlic, I always say. "'I can see I'm going to like it here,' she nodded to a white-faced man behind the bar. Gooden day, big fella, mine host. Uh, "'Trois beers, pour favor, avec us, silver plate.' "'What's a silver plate got to do with it?' demanded Granny. "'It's foreign for please,' said Nanny. "'I bet it isn't really,' said Granny. "'You're just making it up as you goes along.' "'The innkeeper, who worked on the fairly simple principle "'that anyone walking through the door "'wanted something to drink, drew three beers. "'See?' said Nanny triumphantly. "'I don't like the way everyone's looking at us,' said Magrat, "'as Nanny babbled on to the perplexed man "'in her very own Esperanto. "'A man over there grinned at me.' "'Granny Weatherwax sat down on a bench, endeavouring to position herself "'so that as small an amount of her body as possible "'was in contact with the wood. "'In case being foreign,' was something you could catch there said Nanny bustling up with a tray nothing to it I just cussed at him until he understood it looks horrible said granny garlic sausage and garlic bread said Nanny my favorite you ought to have got some fresh vegetables said Magrat the dietitian. I did there's some garlic said Nanny happily cutting a generous slice of eye-watering sausage "'and I think I definitely saw something like pickled onions on one of the shelves.' "'Yes, then we're going to need at least two rooms for tonight,' said Granny, sternly. Three, said Magrat, very quickly. "'She risked another look around the room. "'The silent villagers were staring at them intently "'with a look she could only describe to herself as a sort of hopeful sadness. "'Of course, anyone who spent much time in the company of Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Og "'got used to being stared at.' They were the kind of people that filled every space from edge to edge, and probably people in these parts didn't often see strangers, what with the thick forests and all. And the sight of Nanny Og eating a sausage with extreme gusto would even outrank her pickled onion number as a major entertainment anywhere. Even so, the way people were staring. Outside, deep in the trees, a wolf howled. The assembled villagers shivered in unison, as though they'd been practising. The landlord muttered something to them. They got up reluctantly and filed out of the door, trying to keep together. An old lady laid her hand on Magrat's shoulder for a moment, shook her head sadly, sighed, and then scuttled away. But Magrat was used to this, too. People often felt sorry for her when they saw her in Granny's company. Eventually the landlord lurched across to them with a lighted torch and motioned them to follow him. "'How did you make him understand about the beds?' said Magrat. "'I said—' "'Eh, hey, Mr. Jig-Jag, toot-sweet, all same. number three said Nanny Og. "'Granny Weatherwax tried this under her breath and nodded. "'Your lad Shane certainly gets around a bit, doesn't he?' she remarked. "'He says it works every time,' said Nanny Og. "'In fact, there were only two rooms up a long winding and creaky stairway, "'and Magrat got one to herself. "'Even the landlord seemed to want it that way. "'He'd been very attentive.' She wished he hadn't been so keen to bar the shutters, though. Margaret liked to sleep with the window open. As it was, it was too dark and stuffy. Anyway, she thought, I am the fairy godmother. The others are just accompanying me. She peered hopelessly at herself in the room's tiny cracked mirror and then lay and listened to them on the far side of the paper-thin wall. What are you turning the mirror to the wall for, Esme? I just don't like them staring like that. "'They only stares if you're staring at em, Esme.' Silence, and then... "'Hey, what's this round thing for, then?' "'I reckon it's supposed to be a pillow, Esme.' "'Eh, I don't call it a pillow. "'And there's no proper blankets, even. "'What do you say this thing's called?' "'I think it's called a doovit, Esme.' "'We call them an nider down where I come from. "'Eh!' There was a respite, then... "'Have you brushed your tooth?' And another pause, then, "'Ooh, you haven't half got cold feet, as me?' "'No, they ain't. they lovely and snug.' And another silence, then, "'Boots! Your boots! You've got your boots on!' "'I should just think I have got my boots on, Gither Og!' "'And your clothes! You haven't even undressed!' "'You can't be too careful in foreign parts!' There could be all sorts out there, a creeping around. Magrat snuggled under the, what was it, duvet, and turned over. Granny Weatherwax appeared to need one hour's sleep a night, whereas Nanny Og would snore on a fence rail. Geetha, Gither! Geetha, what? Are you awake? I'm um, now. I keep hearing a noise. So do I. Magrat dozed for a while. Gither. Gither. What now? I'm sure someone rattled our shutters. Not at our time of life. Now, get back to sleep. The air in the room was getting hotter and stuffier by the minute. Magrat got out of bed, unbolted the shutters, and flung them back dramatically. There was a grunt and a distant thud of something hitting the ground. The full moon streamed in. She felt a lot better for that and got back into bed. It seemed no time at all before the voice from next door woke her again. Giffa Og, what are you doing? I'm having a snack. Can't you sleep? Just can't seem to be able to get off, Esme, said Nanny Og. Can't imagine why. Yeah, that's garlic sausage you're eating. I'm actually sharing a bed with someone eating garlic sausage. Hey, that's mine. Give it back. "'Magrat was aware of booted footsteps in the pit of the night, "'and the sound of a shutter being swung back in the next room. "'She thought she'd heard a faint oof and another muted thud. "'I thought you liked garlic, Esme,' said Nanny Og's resentful voice. "'Sausage is all right in its place, and its place ain't in bed. "'And don't you say a word now, move over. "'You keep taking all the dovet.' "'After a while, the velvet silence was broken by Granny's deep and resonant snore.' Shortly afterwards, it was joined by the genteel snoring of Nanny, who had spent far more time sleeping in company than Granny and had evolved a more accommodating nasal orchestra. Granny's snore would have cut logs. Magrat folded the horrible round hard pillow over her ears and burrowed under the bedclothes. End of CD 2